Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please join me in welcoming to the show Craig Gottwalls, uh, a.k.a. the healthcare guru. You know what, Craig? I don't actually have your website and stuff in front of me. I forgot to grab it, so we'll get to that in a little bit. But how are you, my friend? I am well, my friend. And, you know, over here at our house, we've got candles going and we're, we're really solemn. And it's hashtag prayers for Jack. I hope he got the horse taste that I sent over to him. Nah, I think he's going with stand, more uh, conventional care. But I'd ask you how the bass are biting, but it's, it's so hot. It's like bass soup in the lakes. I'd imagine when it gets cooler, though, we've got to, uh, we've got to go fishing again. Yeah, absolutely. It was one of the best springs in the last 20 years in Northern California. So I expect fall will be similar, my friend. Excellent. Okay, enough fish and talk. Uh, you sent along a slideshow so I could get ready for this conversation, which I found very, very helpful and informative. I love the quote from Warren Buffett. Medical costs are the tapeworm of American economic competitiveness. Um, and it's shocking uh, some of the information you gave about the rise in health care costs over the last 20, 25 years. You want to fill us in on some of that? Yeah, it's just devastating, Joe. Um, you know, I, I, you, you guys have covered this story in, out of Stockton, California, with two shop workers, two convenience store workers that are 
that, that are watching a guy pilfer their store and, and there's a there's a there's a, a guy commentating as he's filming saying nothing you can do, nothing you can do. And meanwhile this shoplifter's filling a garbage can with cigarettes and all kinds of stuff. Finally the shopkeepers they grab the guy and they just start beating his lower body and his legs with a stick. And I think that's that's basically where American employers are right now. They're just they're just totally fed up with the pilfering that's been going on on their bottom lines and American workers too. Um, as we look at it, just go ahead. Sorry, Joe. Go ahead. Well, no, that's okay. I just I want to get to those. That's a great metaphor. I love that. Uh, you sent along the slide that in the year two thousand, um, the uh, the cost of family coverage was about twenty percent of the typical worker's annual salary, and now that twenty percent is fifty four percent, which is yeah, an astounding been, rise. It's it's just been it's something I, I've been in this in this industry, Joe, full time for twenty two years now. And when I started 22 years ago, everybody was saying, this is unsustainable. This is unsustainable. How can we, how can we do this? And of course, now we look at, you know, average pay has gone up from 32000 to $42,000 for the average worker. But like you said, healthcare, the cost of family coverage has gone from 6500 to 22500 So now it gobbles up 54% of somebody's pay. One other stat, just to keep the easy one to keep in mind, Premiums are up just since the year 2000, 300% family premiums, three times. Average worker pay, only up 100%. So it's just, it's the hidden tax that we're all paying, and it's a slow death. 7.5% increases year after year after year when we're only getting 1% to 2% on our pay. And, of course, it's it's just crushing workers and it's crushing businesses. And it's wildly out of proportion to other forms of inflation, too, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing. Healthcare, the only thing that rivals healthcare, two other things, uh, your local electric company and your college tuition. Those are the only things that that keep up. Well, uh, go ahead and take the ball and run with it. What's the next step in uh, understanding your stuff? What do you have for us? Many of us us felt that Obamacare was going to really be hard on the insurance companies. You know, many of us thought that, okay, you're putting all these restrictions in place. You're going to force all these extra people onto the plans without really good leverage to keep them on the plans without ne- without without necessarily getting a whole lot more money in premium and um i'll be the first to admit that is a topic on obamacare about which i couldn't have been more wrong joe <laughs> so if we just look back to 2009 when obamacare was first you know written just right before obama signed it um you had you look at cost increases and stock increases since that time. So from 2009 to today, just to look at the S&P 500 as a benchmark, it's up 422%. That's the largest 500 companies in the U.S., right? Okay, got it. The average of the, average of the five largest insurance companies, medical insurers, are up 1,900% over that same time frame. So they were in on it the whole way. They, they had the, the, the game was rigged. They worked with the federal government, with hospitals and with pharmaceutical industry to absolutely ensure that no matter what happened, they would remain profitable. They could keep the, the, the very large increases and that we, the taxpayer, would ultimately make them whole. We, the taxpayer and we, the premium payer for those of us that still get insurance at work. Mm-hmm. So just for people who aren't taking notes or driving or what have you, so the S&P or the insurance, the average of the insurance carrier stock prices has more than quadrupled the rise of the S&P 500 as a whole. 
which is crazy. Now, those of us who believe in free markets are not shocked that when the government became involved in a ginormous part of the American economy, the rent-seeking began, the lobbying began, and the big, powerful companies ended up getting a huge disproportionate share of taxpayer money in a way that the free market would never have allowed. Would you agree? Totally agree. That's exactly what happened. There have now been books written on this topic, and it, it just turns out that every single industry, whether you're looking at, you know, hospitals, insurers, brokers, even my industry, the pharmaceutical industry, every single one of us had a lobbying group in D.C. prior to 2009. We all, all of our lobbying groups worked with the federal government, worked with the Obama administration, and we as a, as a, a combined entity ensured that no matter what happened, we would be made whole and taken care of in this process. And that's exactly what's happened. And everybody's, everybody's getting filthy rich on, on the provision of health insurance while American businesses and, and, U, and U.S. workers are struggling now to pay the bill to the point where the average worker sees more than half of their pay go to premiums. What's America's number one lobby? Number one lobby, as reported by Axios, is healthcare. Seven hundred million in twenty twenty one. The last reported stat I saw. One and, year, seven hundred yeah. million dollars in bribes, essentially. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And the the largest client of the healthcare industry is the federal government, primarily through Medicare and Medicaid. So. See, here's, this is where you get the crazy, the crazy hidden tax that we've talked about here before, and that's that politicians don't want to just start increasing taxes willy-nilly because that's bad for re-election. So they keep Medicare and Medicaid on a, on a path where those reimbursements only typically go up about 1% per year, even though true medical inflation is roughly 4% per year. So then what happens is, Hospitals have to work with insurance companies to negotiate 7 or 8% renewal increases for employers to cover the fact that they're not making as much money as they would like to make from Medicare and Medicaid, the number one customer of the insurance industry. <laughs> right. So, okay. So the, the government is, is under, the government is underpaying. So private insurance has to weigh overpay for medical care. You know, I think I know the answer to this, but why do the private insurance companies put up with it? Is it because they can go ahead and gouge us for premiums and we don't see any alternative to paying them? Oh, absolutely. Because because the more premium we pay, the, the more they make as well, obviously, right? The more the broker makes, the more the insurance company makes, the more the hospital makes. So what you really see happening in healthcare generally is hospitals will mark up the cost of a procedure um, and, and again, this is just hospitals, not doctors. The problem is not typically with your local doctor office. It's with facilities. So hospitals will say, um, we're going to pay 300% of what Medicare, what Medicare would pay for that shoulder surgery, as an example. And that is roughly 600% of our actual costs. And you say, well, Craig, how do you know their costs? Well, in order for them to receive money from the federal government through Medicare, they have to self-report their costs. So I know exactly what their real costs are, and I know what Medicare pays. That's all public information. So what happens is private employers are basically paying. It works out to roughly $20 per employee per month. You're paying for the privilege of a 50% discount on something that's been marked up 600%. I know that's a lot of numbers, but that's what's going on is you have this shell game. You have this, 
this obscured price tag that's hidden that says, hey, the cost of that shoulder surgery is, is um, you know, it's, we'll just say it's $200,000. And then, but you know, good news, good news. We're going to give you a 50% discount with your large insurance plan. You're only going to have to pay a hundred thousand dollars. But then when you get down to the, the nuts and bolts of it, the actual cost to provide that surgery is like $20,000. Wow. So on a large the, scale in our health plans. Wow. Meanwhile, the government's paying a tiny fraction of that, like, you know, way down less than, you know, the hospital could stay in business probably on. Well, well, I want to, yeah, I want to be careful about that. So I okay. have a number of hospital clients and I speak with these CFOs regularly and pretty much across the board, every hospital chief financial officer will tell you we can survive on Medicare. What Medicare? That's the one we pay for the old timers. I mean, we would have to tighten our, bu- our budgets. We would have to run more efficiently. We would have to, we would cut out some waste and abuse, but we can probably get by at Medicare. It's Medicaid, the one that we can't, because that on average across the country pays about 20% less than Medicare. So now you're, you, you are getting into a position where you're like 15% under their real costs. So okay. it's Medicare that causes the problem. Medicare, excuse me, Medicaid. Medicare, most hospitals can get by at. Bass fishing tip number one, slow down. He's always telling me, slow down. Don't do it so fast. Slow down. Let him come to it. Anyway. And, when, uh, and right, when, right when you get to the point where you think you cannot go any slower, Slow it the hell down a little bit more. <laughs> All right, beautiful. So uh, if you want to get in contact with Craig for uh, bass fishing tips or, or advice on health care and benefits and that sort of thing, all the information is going to be at armstrongandgetty.com. We'll make it easy to follow. Plus, uh, this discussion will be edited up into an Armstrong and Getty Extra Large podcast. Having said that, I'm looking at the map you sent of employer payments for a given medical uh, procedure as a percentage of Medicare. You poor chumps, we poor chumps with private insurance in <laughs> California are paying 311%. In Texas, it's a mere 269%. 316% in, uh, in, is that uh, Colorado or Nebraska, rather? Um, it's 304% Washington State, on and on and on. Um, and then this, the slide you sent about the fair price for a CT scan, for instance, in the San Francisco Bay Area, Bay Area. can you explain that to us? Yeah, so you, you exactly nailed it, Joe. Across the country, we're, we're roughly, if we have, if we're in that, 30% of people that are roughly paying for our own health care, there's only about 30% of us in that boat anymore, um, we, we pay three times what the federal government pays with Medicare. And remember, hospital CFOs will tell you, we can, we can make money on Medicare. Okay, so hospital CT scan. So this is just, I sent you a couple examples. But we'll just walk through one of them. This is a real hospital in the Bay Area. We won't name any names. Um, they bill an average of $3,500 for a CT scan. And they're the they cheapest one in the chart, but go ahead. <laughs> they're the cheapest on the chart. That's right. They self-report the cost of that $254, okay? Medicare applies its formula, so they, they do a little bit of markup on the cost typically, and the Medicare would pay $303 for that procedure. But the average national insurance company, of which there are four or five, depending on how you count them, would, would give you a 50% discount off of that pie-in-the-sky, fantasy, unicorn-riding, cotton-candy-eating build rate of $3,500. So they would, they would uh, reimburse $1,700 for that $3,400 or $3,500, whatever you, whatever you want to call it. So you, you, know, you, you look at the bill, you think, wow, it's $3,500. I'm going to pay $1,750. I'm getting 50% off. That's awesome. Until you find out Medicare pays $303, and I tell you that facility operators tell you, yeah, we can make money on Medicare. 
Yeah, it's like your babysitter walks in and says, normally I charge 100 bucks an hour, but I'll let you go for 50 or whatever. And you're thinking, oh, a 50% discount, not, boy, I'm a chump. And, and the important thing to realize, and I'm looking at the clock, I think next segment we will get to the solution because we barely have two minutes. But what people need to understand is that you're paying twice, three times, four, five, six times as much as a Medicare patient does, which still gives the medical provider a fair amount of profit. And that enormous difference that you're paying in premiums and everything, that is a tax. That is money from you going to pay for a government program. And I don't think people really comprehend it that simply. Meanwhile, and if you're just tuning in, we mentioned this last segment, the insurance companies are making scads of money. Because they're in bed with the government on the scheme. And really, the only loser is the private insurance consumer. Am I correct? You, you, Joe, you've got it better than any media person ever has. Wow. Wow. Gold star for me. Any, anyway, <laughs> Gold so star for Joe. <laughs> in, in 30 seconds, can you describe slash tease what we're going to talk about in the next segment? The, the cure well, to this, the reference-based pricing? Yeah, reference-based pricing, fair market pricing, value-based pricing. There's a lot of different names for it because it is so new and revolutionary. Um, in a nutshell, if you take the premise that they can make money on Medicare, what happens if we go ahead and just offer to pay 140% of Medicare, which is still half of what your employer plan pays? We can cut our costs darn near in half at that point, right? What happens if we do that? What what kind of acceptance will we get in the in the marketplace if we decide to pay 40% more than their largest customer, which is Medicare? Your health insurance costs have gone have skyrocketed compared to the rate of inflation. Your insurance premiums have skyrocketed since Obamacare passed. All those costs to people with private insurance through their employer whatever have gone sky high compared to inflation. Meanwhile, the profits of the insurance carriers have been quadrupled the rise of the S&P 500. They're making unimaginable amounts of money off of you as you subsidize Medicare and Medicaid. It's a hidden tax. You're paying hundreds or thousands of dollars a year to pay for those government programs, but it's not a tax It's your insurance premiums because your insurance company pays sky high prices to the hospitals to cover, you know, the, the, the government programs to make sure everybody makes plenty of profit and nobody's talking about this. Did I get anything wrong in that description, Craig? No, you, you do so good at that, Joe. I would just, the only nuance I would add is that, is that it's not just because of government underfunding, which we know it certainly is with respect to Mm -hmm. Medicaid for sure, but it's also because Hey, what do, what does private industry likes to do? It likes to maximize profit. So pharmaceutical companies, hospitals, insurers, and brokers are all maximizing profit on this hidden tax that's obfuscated by the, by the fact that typically people don't see the prices they pay for healthcare. They don't know. They just know their, their paycheck isn't what it should be. And so one of the things that's made this more possible in the last few years, Joe, is, and you and I and Jack did a podcast about this probably four years ago now, where Trump put in some transparency rules. And then thankfully, when Biden came into office, he kept them. So there's, and I, I think I told you way back then, I said, this is going to be a landslide. This is going to change healthcare forever. 
And mm-hmm. now we're finally starting to see it. That's what's going oh. on. These employers are taking that wooden bat like those gents in the in the convenience store in Stockton, and they are starting to whack away at this system that's been pillaging them for so long. Okay, and there's there's one more nuance I wanted to get to. It flitted out of my mind. Uh, dang it, about the whole... Oh, it doesn't matter. So, um... So because of that transparency that uh, Donald J. Trump, uh, God rest him, or God bless him, he's not dead. Um, <laughs> because of that transparency now, that's given a tool. Oh, you know what I was going to say was, um, so you've got all that profit being made, maximizing the profit in the insurance companies, the hospitals, whatever. I'm pro-profit, and I know you are too. We're pro the free sure. market. But this, the last thing this is, is the pre- free market. It's a combination of monopolies and then the government so heavily involved the companies have to beg and lobby the government and they're all in on it together it's a government health care complex because yes. and, and i'll tell you what made this what made obamacare so bad joe prior to obamacare democrats generally wouldn't take money from the pharmaceutical industry and from big insurers that was kind of a not a, a thing democrats wouldn't do well, Obama changed all that because Obama realized that to get this legislation passed, he was going to have to take that money from those players. And so once those floodgates opened, once you had, OK, now Republicans and Democrats can dip their hands into the largest industry in America and just take as much as they want from lobbyists, then you, you had the complete pl- proliferation of all of this, um, I would say, corruption influencing uh, any, right. any, any regulation or laws we might have had. Okay, so let's get back to the transparency that Trump introduced and Biden continued. Now you know the the hospital self-reported costs and and stuff. So how has that been uh, helpful? How has that been a tool? Well, it's so what has happened is, and here's the free market. There are entities called reference-based repricers that have popped up, and what they're doing is they're they're aggregating that data and they're saying, okay, we know at hospital X a rotator cuff surgery is is uh, um, actually costs, we'll say, $15,000, and Medicare would pay $20,000 for it, but their typical insurance company is giving them 60000 for it, right? So they're saying, okay, don't pay an insurance company, pay us. What we'll do is we will reprice that claim, we will pay the claim for you, and, w- and we'll negotiate with the provider if you get pushback. And so we're reference-based repricing these claims. We're just cutting out insurers altogether. Because we're saying, nope, the employer is going to self-insure this plan, and we're going to pay at 140% of Medicare instead of 310% of Medicare. So the hospital is not, it's, they're not making that same crazy profit, but they're making profit. Um, you say it's working. Uh, to what extent are hospitals saying, okay, we'll do that for that price? Yeah, so um, depending on what part of the country you're in, it, you get what we, we would say is 1% to 10% pushback. And when I say pushback, I mean the hospital says, hey, no, 140% of Medicare is not enough. We need more. We want more. Then we get involved in negotiation. Once we get involved in negotiation, it's 99% acceptance. And the worst case scenario for the employer is they capitulate and they pay what the giant insurance company would have paid anyway. You see, But so that you're, almost you're, never you're happens. <laughs> well, very rarely, yeah. That you're talking about a handful of claims per year for hundreds of employees. Yeah. Because, because wow. you're, ultimately what you're doing is you're saying, hey, hospital, I'm going to pay you 40% more than your largest customer. And if the hospital really wanted to dig in their heels and say, sue the member, sue the, the, the plan or the employee for not paying more, 
ultimately you're going to end up in a court of law and the CFO at the hospital is going to have to testify that somebody offering to pay 40% more than their largest customer is an unreasonable price and they wow. can't do it. And, and even then we, we negotiate up to 300% anyway. So they would have to argue that three times what Medicare pays is unreasonable and they can't. There's been one case that went to the merits Supreme court of Colorado and the hospital lost. So now you've got floodgates. We've got, like I said, instead of, four or five national carriers, we've got 10 different repricers that have popped up. And this is the Wild West, Joe. It is absolutely crazy what I see going on. But in a good way. In a wonderful way. This is Now, this is the free market. You've got these repricers that have popped up. You've got employers who are early adopters grabbing that stick and willing to whack at the person that's been pilfering them. And we're, we're cutting employer claim costs in half. And then once you bake in all the other costs we have to have for reinsurance and repricers, Employers who do this are saving 25 to 35% year one every time, and they're not losing access to any providers. The message to employees is, hey, if you guys insist upon going to the top 5 or 10% of providers in your zip code, you're going to probably have to pay more. But for 90% of you, you're going to see no change to your plan at all, other than we're going to charge you a heck of a lot less for it. Well, and that's about the average working man and woman. I mean, that's that's where you bring it home because you know and people who understand basic economics get this if my employer has to pay through the nose for my health insurance it's great that they're doing it but that comes out of my potential salary it all comes out of my pocket the part i pay comes out of my pocket and the part my employer pays comes out of my pocket because there's a certain amount you are worth to your employer and instead of it going to you it's going to some insurance company would you agree Totally. It's just total compensation. Your compensation yeah. is X. And the problem is right now, 50 something percent of that's going to healthcare when it, when just 20 years ago, it was 30% of it. So as a small business person, I, I'm just, I want to make sure this is clear to me. This is this reference based pricing or whatever you want to call it. It's mostly helpful to companies that are big enough to like self insure, pay their own claims. Yeah. So, so yeah. people ask me for a headcount. I say a general like 250 plus employees, we can probably do this depending on where you are. And it's, and, and now some companies are smaller than that. They're already self-insured. You can do it right now, but you, you roughly need two to 300 employees to get enough, to get enough volume to be predictable, to get stop loss, et cetera. So it's, it's, this is not yeah. a solution for, you know, a sub 100 company. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, since I'm not in this business and, and certainly don't make any money talking about this, is there any way you could see using these same forces to help out, you know, employees of small companies, self-employed folks down the road? Yeah, because what's happening is, and again, we're so on the front end of this. Um, just a year ago, less than two percent of companies were doing this. Now it's three percent of companies, and people like me are out there hitting it hard and, and I'm mm-hmm. busier than I can stand Joe because it's 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 growing so fast but what's happening is we're negotiating real prices we're putting transparency on it and ultimately we're going to be developing new provider networks that will work for 140% of Medicare so that that small company can just do a direct contract with the two hospitals in their neighborhood at 140% of Medicare instead of 310% of Medicare. So this will trickle down eventually because we're shining a spotlight on the problem we've had for 50 years in healthcare, and that's that we don't we never knew what the prices were. I've known Craig for many, many years, and you get so excited when you get a chance to stop the government screwing people. Well, and, and certain private companies that are in bed with the government, it, it's kind of fun to watch. Uh, that's one of the reasons we're, we're old friends. Uh, Craig, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate the thoughts. 
and, and the, uh, the expertise. You, Appreciate it, Joe. Can't wait to see you again. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Uh, so if, if you want to ask questions or whatever, uh, Craig's contact information is at armstrongandgetty.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.